At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Good morning, Gospel Community Church. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter. If you don't know me, my name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church, and this morning it is my great privilege to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it. The followers of Jesus on that Friday, on that faithful Friday, had a a terrible sinking feeling in their stomach as they, they had spent three years with him. The followers of Jesus had been with him. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his sermons. They had seen him heal the sick and and raise the dead and and as they went to that last Passover meal with Jesus they were there with him and and breaking hundreds of years of tradition Jesus took a piece of bread and he told them that this is my body which will be broken for you and he lifted a cup and said this is my blood which will be shed for you and as they were still a little confused about exactly what he meant by that they went out into the night and Jesus took them to a garden where he he begged and pleaded with them to stay up and pray yet these disciples could not stay up and pray with him and and all of a sudden here appears the one who betrayed him Judas comes leading a band of men armed with torches and bats and they arrest Jesus and they bounce him from false trial to false trial and they accuse him of, of crimes he never committed and then on that faithful Friday he is crucified he is scourged and then crucified they nailed him to a cross with six inches spikes driven through his hands and his feet and they placed a crown on his head and there for six hours he hung and he bled and he died in our place for our sins it was a bad day on that Friday but church family Sunday was on the way Sunday was on the way as he lay in that tomb and by decree of the eternal creator of the universe, God the Father decreed that he would come back to life and he was resurrected. His lungs began to fill with air and his heart began to beat and he sat up and the stone was rolled away and he walked out of the tomb. But he didn't walk out of the tomb with the regular type body. He had a brand new resurrection body and so over 40 days he began to reveal himself to his disciples again and again and again showing them from the scriptures that all of the scriptures everything that had been written was all about him and he ate with them and he prayed with them and he taught them proving to them without a shadow of a doubt that he really did come back to life as a matter of fact he showed that he was alive to more than 500 people at one time and now church family Jesus is alive and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning the entire universe. He is the lion-like lamb who is worthy to open the scroll and unleash God's potential and God's will on the entire earth. This is our God. My first point, my only point all day long, here's my one point. The empty grave means the throne is occupied. 
the empty grave means the throne is occupied. He, he is the ruler of the universe. He is sovereign God over all, meaning all the galaxies and stars do what he tells them. All creatures, great and small, every atom, every subatomic particle is subject to his will. Governments, big and small, all pandemics, all natural disasters, the global and local economy are under his control from his kingdom of local churches. Everywhere he is sovereign over all the pain and disappointments in your life to your greatest successes and joys. Jesus rules over all. The grave is empty and the throne is occupied. This morning, my task is immense. Uh, some of y'all are, are already nervous. You, you, we, we just read two chapters out of Revelation. Like, man, somebody better text Granny Teller. We ain't coming to lunch because... Pastor Kerr is going to preach two chapters out of Revelation. I promise we're going to get you to Easter lunch at Granny's uh, eventually. I'm not saying it's going to be a short sermon, y'all. I'm just saying I'm going to get you out of here. But here is my goal today. My goal today is I, I, my deep desire is to awaken the sleepers and add fuel to those who are on fire. There, there are people in our church body, there are people in this community, there are people in this world, in this state, who are asleep. You are asleep. And, and what I want to do is I want to paint for you this picture that John sets before us, which is a picture of the throne room of God. I want us to enter together into the throne room of God and see this picture, which John lays out before us, in an effort to awaken those who are asleep and add fuel to those who are on fire. Are you asleep this morning? Do you attend church only when it's convenient? Do you give only when you have extra? Do you rarely, if ever, have meaningful times with the Lord? Do you keep saying no to ministry opportunities in the church because you just can't find the time? Is your prayer life inconsistent? Do you enjoy your tall privacy fences and your small dining room tables so that you don't have to be radically hospitable to those around you? Are you asleep this morning? Does your life look like the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied? Or are you sleeping? And I know that there's are some here who are on fire. <laughs> your life, I know y'all, I know y'all. Your life does look like the throne is occupied. And so ask this question to yourself this morning, church family. Does my life reflect the reality of the empty grave and the occupied throne? There should be no such thing as nominal Christianity. There, there should be no such thing as cafeteria Christianity. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, you, you go and you just pick and choose what you like and, and disregard what you don't. That, that's, that's not what this king is demanding of us. This king who sits on this throne demands all of our life, everything that you have, all that you are. He is not just a part of your life. He is your very life. The, the problem is we have created this culture to where we want a gospel without death. There is no gospel without death. There can't be any gospel without death. First and foremost, it is his death, his death on the cross. Listen to me. The second death is yours. Jesus says, come and die. He says, come and lay your life down. Lose your life so that you may gain it. There can be no gospel without death, church family. In addition, there are too many Christians who are seeking resurrection without wanting a resurrection life in Christ. They just want Jesus to come in and fix all their problems instead of being devoted, instead of their life centering on Christ. And so I want the sleepers to wake up this morning. And I want those who are on fire to have some more fuel added. 
Now, how in the world do I plan to do that? Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't plan to awaken the sleepers and add fuel to those who are on fire. I, I plan on God's word doing that for us this morning. I, I plan on helping us see this apocalyptic vision that John has laid before us. And by virtue of seeing that picture, I hope it, it, it sticks in your mind and you can never unsee it again. And this picture of the lamb who was slain yet is still standing and has seven horns and seven eyes and is worthy to open the scroll. I hope that that vision of Christ will set over your whole life. And it will awaken the sleepers and add fuel to those who are on fire. We need to talk about the book of Revelation very quickly before we dive in. Are y'all with me this morning, church family? Okay. We need to talk about the book of Revelation really quickly before we dive in. This is, so usually what we do here at Gospel Community Church is we preach straight through books of the Bible. That gives us all the context that we need. We understand when the book was written, who wrote it, all the context, all the background. We, we don't have time to do that this morning. We just got to get into our text. But there are three quick things I want to tell you about the book of Revelation before we get into our text. First is this, this is apocalyptic literature. What we're reading this morning is a certain genre of literature known as apocalyptic literature. And here are the characteristics of it. It seeks to paint pictures using words. It has strange things in it. We're gonna see some weird stuff, y'all. The four living creatures, we're, uh, they weird. There, there's, there's strange stuff in here. Now, uh, there, there's colors, there's numbers, there's animals, and usually those are symbolizing something. The, the aim of it is to give metaphoric pictures which capture our hearts. You see, these type of pictures that we're going to see today will capture your heart in a way that simply saying it plainly doesn't, right? So that's what this is seeking to do. Second is this. It's a letter written to a specific people during a specific time, so it cannot mean to us what it did not mean to them. Y'all with me? Think, think about that for a second. I, 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 who grew up in the church? Who in here, just keep your hands up, if you just heard some weird, crazy stuff about the book of Revelation. Okay, right. So, so th this is the principle that we need to approach this text with. It cannot mean something to them that it did not mean. So let me just say it as plain as I can. The, the flying eagle in Revelation chapter 12 is not the USA. It's not. That's, that's, somebody told me that, but, but it's not, okay? Uh, in addition, let, in addition, listen, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, okay? Let me just, I'm just going to just set that out there. The vaccine, I don't care what you think about the vaccine. Get it, don't get it. That's up to you. I'm just telling you from the book of Revelation, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Uh, neither is Donald Trump or Joe Biden the Antichrist, okay? They're just not, that's, that's not what's going on in here. So, so it's important for us as we, as we approach this book to understand this, this is a book meant to give Christians courage not to fill them with fear for the future, Every, every time we approach the book of Revelation, the, this, this predominant theme comes out about it's, it's going to be terrible. There's going to be all this persecution, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, man, that, that's, that, that doesn't sound good at all. But it's written to a group of Christians who are being heavily persecuted with the aim to give them hope for the future. Uh, and so the book of Revelation needs to do that for us as well. Number three, the book of Revelation does speak of the future, but its main intent, circle, highlight, underline, its main intent is to paint a vivid picture of the risen Christ that he may be exalted. Yeah. 
So, so if, you, if you got out your newspaper and your book of Revelation and you're trying to like figure out or the headlines, how the, how the headlines today match up with what it says in Revelation, you're reading it wrong. The intent of the book of Revelation is for us to be in awe, the, to the truest sense of that word awesome, awestruck about who Jesus is, this picture of this lion-like lamb with seven horns and seven eyes uh, with, with the seven spirits of God worthy to open the scroll. That's what it's meant to do. Again, what do we see all of the, whatever in the world these strange creatures are, what are they all doing? What do they just repeatedly keep doing? They keep worshiping. It is God-centered worship that is happening in the throne room of God. And that's what this book is meant to us to do. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at chapter 4. And chapter 4 is the backdrop. It's, a, it's an amazing backdrop. It sets the scene. You see this picture of the throne room of God. And then in chapter 5, this, this drama is played out to where they're looking for someone to open the scroll. So, so chapter 4 is the backdrop. Chapter 5 is the drama. Here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to get this text in front of you, get, get it on your phone, get out the old school paper if, if that's what you're into. But you're going to need to look at this text as we go along because we're going to be moving quickly. Are you ready, church family, to enter into the throne room of God? This is what John wants to do and where he wants to take us. Chapter 4, verse 1, after this, after what? after uh, Jesus had showed up to John on the island of Patmos and, and gave him seven letters to seven churches. And, and so he, he tells him what to write. John writes that down, and here's what happens next. After this, I looked and behold a door, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, that's the voice of Jesus, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So Jesus shows up and says, come on, let, let's go. Verse 2, at once I was in the Spirit. So we're not sure whether or not the Holy Spirit has physically transported John up to heaven or if the Holy Spirit has just taken John's spirit up to heaven. We, we don't know. He just says, I was in the Spirit and, and there, there I was in heaven. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, there, he might not have even known which one it was. If you go look at the, the report where Paul describes him being transmitted to heaven, he, he said, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if that was like, if I was awake, if I was asleep, if it was my body, if it wasn't, I don't know. So Paul kind of echoes the same thing. He just says, and at once I was in the spirit and behold, what does he see? A throne. This word throne is used over 40 times in the book of Revelation and 14 times in this chapter alone. The, the, this, this can also be known. So the book of Revelation can be known as the book of thrones because it continually, repeatedly refers back to this throne or this seat of power. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Verse 3, and he who sat there had the appearance of. Now, we know that no sinful human can see God and live. You, you can't. He is too holy. He is too otherly. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe it's uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 says that, that he dwells in unapproachable light, uh, that, that no one has seen God nor anyone can see God. So what he is going to describe here is a vision of God's veiled glory. What he describes here is, is he's grasping 
as best he can to use human terms and analogies to, to put on display what is in the throne room of God. He, he is going to reach as best he can and make the best analogies that he can, but in the end, they fall short. So he's not describing exactly what God looks like. Uh, he's not giving an exact description. He's saying what it was like. Does that make sense? Look at what he says. And he who sat had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald, jasper and carnelian, these two stones that are red, red. What, what is the color red? This is, this is a representation of the wrath of God the Father. He is holy, he is just, and, and he will enact his will because of his holiness. Because of his holiness, he hates sin. Because of his holiness, he hates when things are unjust. Because of, because of his holiness, he hates when people are oppressed. And so this is a picture of God the Father seated on his throne and his wrath being shown through Jasper and Carnelian. And the throne around the throne was a rainbow. Now, this is a weird rainbow, y'all. You ever seen a green rainbow? I ain't never seen no green rainbow, but that's what, around the throne, there was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. The, the rainbow taking our minds and our hearts back to that day when he flooded the, the earth and, and hit the reset button, and when he promised that he would never do that again. So in the throne room of God, there is God the Father seated on the throne. He is a wrathful God against sin, yet he is surrounded by this rainbow reminding us that he is a faithful God who keeps his promises. That's what we've seen so far. Here we go, verse 4. And around the throne, oh my, around the throne were 24 thrones. His throne is so amazing, it has other thrones. His throne room is filled with other, there's one throne, God the Father is seated on that throne, but he, he's so amazing that his throne has other thrones. There, there are 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So this is possibly, possibly a representation of the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, maybe, but maybe not. Here's what's so important about the book of Revelation is that you need to keep the main things, the plain things, and the plain things, the main things. Does that make sense? So, so there's a lot of speculation about who these elders are, but, but the, the best guess is this. They are certainly a representation of the fullness of God's redeemed people. They are a representation of the fullness of God's redeemed people. Why? Because they're wearing white robes. And they got crowns and they're seated on thrones. The very same thing that Jesus promised to his disciples. The very same thing that Jesus promised to anybody that would follow him. That he would redeem them. They would be wearing white robes and they would have white crowns. And they would sit on thrones with him and rule and reign the universe. This is a representation of the fullness of God's redeemed people. Here's where it gets scary. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne, there were seven torches of fire, with our, which are the seven spirits of God. This lightning and power that is emanating is showing the power of God the Father. It, it, it is showing that he, that he is not somebody to be trifled with. He has power that emanates from his throne. Not only 
power, but a furious power because there's rumblings is what is happening here. Look at what it says next. And then there were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. If you do a deep dive study into the book of Revelation, you'll see time and time again, this, this uh, allusion to the seven spirits of God is an allusion to the Holy Spirit. Again, we do not need to change our Trinitarian theology um, at all. Look, the, the number seven, come on, you guys know this, is the number of completion or fullness. So what he's saying is these seven torches are a representation of the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're beginning to see the veil come back and, and show us uh, this, this beautiful Trinitarian Godhead with God the Father on the throne and the presence of the Holy Spirit there with him. We're only missing one member. We'll get there. We'll get there. Calm down. Okay. Verse, <clears throat> verse 6. And before the throne, as it was a sea of glass. Again, he's, he's grasping at just how to describe what he's even seeing. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne and each side of the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. What's the deal with the sea? It, it, this is a massive expanse between John and the throne. It is, it's an impassable crystal sea. John can't get to this throne where the fullness of the wrath of God is and peals of lightning and thunder are, are emanating and coming from. This is an impassable sea. And then also in verse 6, we're introduced to these four living creatures. Let's describe them in verses 7 and 8. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings and are full of eyes all around within. And day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These four living creatures are the highest order of angels in heaven. How do we know that? Because they are closest to the throne. These, these four living creatures are a representation of all of God's creation. The, the lion, the most noble, the king of the jungle, right? That's the, the lion. Then you have the ox, the strongest of all domesticated animals. Then you have something with the face of a man representing wisdom and knowledge, the smartest of all God's creation. And then the eagle, the most swift and majestic of all of God's creation. These four living creatures represent all of God's creation and they're covered with eyes. Isn't that, man, so, so the intent here is not that we would look and read the description and then try to go draw it. It doesn't work that way. The, the intent of these descriptions is to tell us about these creatures that are around the throne of God. So these four living creatures represent all of creation. They're praising and worshiping God. They have eyes all around them, meaning they're constantly alert, constantly aware of their position to cry out, holy, holy, holy. These beings uh, have great wisdom because of their proximity to God. That's the idea with them being covered with eyes. Look at verse 9 through 11. We can kind of discover that they're, they're like the, the choir master. They're like the worship leaders in heaven because whenever they worship, everybody else does. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things by your will and they exist and were created. They are the, the four living creatures are the worship 
worship leaders in heaven. The four living creatures start praising God. The 24 elders start praising God. And it is God-centered, holy worship, giving due honor to God for who he is. Two things that stand out to me so far is this. Number one, in the throne room of God, you have a representation of the fullness of God's redeemed people in the 24 elders and a representation of all of creation in the four living creatures, and they all worship. This is the point. This is the intent. This should be the shape of our lives, church family. As we sit down at dinner with close friends and family and enjoy food, it should move our hearts to worship. As we wake up on Monday morning and go to work, it should be a heart of worship. As we sit with our children and read them stories about the goodness and kindness of God, it should be an act of worship. As we take our wives out on dates in the name of Jesus, it should be an act of worship. As we play with our kids, as we spend time with our friends, all of life should be an act of worship representing what's going on in heaven right now which is the praise and glory of the risen king the second thing that is noticeable here in this passage is this you cannot approach the god described in revelation 4 so that you might be reconciled to him the bigger problem is that judgment is on the way this is, this is a book about the final judgment, is it not? And here we've just been given this description of a God sitting on the throne that you as a sinner cannot get to. There are several layers of reasons you, you cannot get to him. Uh, so first and foremost, you can't get to him because he, he, he is like Jasper and Carnelian, which is a representation of his wrath against sinners, which is us. In addition, you cannot get to him because he is surrounded by an entourage. You can't get through his entourage. He got 24 elders and four living creatures. You're not getting through his Again, think about like a famous celebrity or, or, or somebody high up in political power. They have these entourages surrounding them, don't they? And one of the things, one of the functions of the entourage is to block you from getting to them because they're way too busy for you. They don't want you bothering them. That's why they got that big entourage. So you can't get to him because of his wrath. You can't get to him because of his entourage. You cannot get to him because if you dare to get close, you would be struck dead by the lightning and the peals of thunder. I mean, it would not go well at all. In addition, you cannot get across the impassable sea. How can you get to him? You can't get to him at all. Now, that's the backdrop. Put yourself there, church family. Come on, come with me. Wake up, sleepers. May this vision add fuel to your fire if you're on fire this morning. See it. See it in your mind's eye. See the throne. See the sea. Imagine in your mind's eye the 24 elders and the four living creatures. Put yourself there. Chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. There is a scroll in the right hand, the hand of power, the hand of authority, the right hand of God the Father. And, and, and apparently, it's got a lot going on. Because not only did they fill up the whole scroll, I mean, this thing, they wrote and filled that joker up, they then had to turn that scroll over and keep on writing. That's why, that's why it's got stuff on the inside and stuff on the outside. There, it's got a lot to say. Now, the problem is this scroll is sealed with what? Seven, the number of fullness, completion. It's sealed with seven seals, meaning it's all the way closed up. 
It is shut up, closed up, go away. You cannot see in the scroll. It is completely, totally sealed. So now we have a God that you cannot get to, and we got a scroll that you can't read. This is a big problem, y'all. This is, this is a serious issue. If, if you're taking notes, the scroll in Revelation 5 is God's map for human history, including the salvation of his people, final judgment for those who oppose him, and the restoration of all creation. In other words, what is written in that scroll is all of God's will and purpose for your life and for all of human creation. That is what is written in this scroll in the right hand of God. God's plan and purpose for your life. God's plan and purpose for every Christian life. God's plan and purpose to see judgment take place and, and for there to be a final consummation when Jesus returns and sets all things right. That is what is in the scroll. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who's worthy? Who can approach this God on his throne and take that scroll? Who can do it? Who can touch it? Anybody in here this morning want to approach that throne knowing what you did, knowing what I've done, knowing who I am? I, I don't want to go to that throne. I don't want to touch that scroll. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open up the scroll and look into it. The call goes out to all of the cosmos, to everyone everywhere. Who can open the scroll and the entire universe is left inadequate? Nobody can. Right. Nobody in heaven. I mean, think about who's in heaven. Well, you got Abraham up there. Yeah, King David. Oh, King, King David. Oh, no, he, yeah, he probably don't want that. Uh, what about uh, what about Noah? What about no? They can't. Nobody in heaven. Nobody on earth. Nobody under the earth. Well, what about John Piper? But Tim Keller, right? What about our our Christian heroes? That can they approach that throne and take that scroll? No. Now look at John's reaction, verse four. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. Or to look into it. He weeps. He breaks down. Listen to this church family. The opening of the scroll was not just to display information. Was but to put the contents into action. Don't you? It's like the official reading of a will. It, it takes the contents of that document and it puts it into motion. It puts it into action. So John is not weeping uh, because he, he's not able to, to see the future and, and maybe, uh, you know, help write the next Left Behind series. That's not why he's weeping. He's weeping because the purposes of God will not be put into motion, will not be put into action. Those who are guilty will go unpunished. The purposes of God for our life will not be fulfilled. All the pain and all the suffering that we've experienced will all be for nothing if this scroll isn't opened. So John weeps loudly. If the scroll stays closed, we are hopeless. Our existence is pointless. We are stuck to battle Satan, sin, and death alone. There will be no final consummation. Every ounce of pain you've experienced is meaningless. All the people who have done and said terrible things will get off the hook scot-free, and it's all worthless. This is why John is weeping, because the scroll 
is not opened and no one is found worthy to do it. But, but family. <laughs> I, I, I got to stand up. I'm looking at that verse. I, 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 I got to read it. Okay. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Weep. Are you here this morning filled with fear, filled with anxiety, filled with depression? Weep no more. Are you looking back over the sins of your past, over the pains of your past? Weep no more. Weep no more, church family. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This, this is a reference to a messianic title for Christ found in Genesis 40, chapter 49, where the lion defeats his enemies and the nations bow down to this lion of Judah. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, King David, the most popular king, the most famous king. He's saying that that king, that popular king, that famous king, he's, he has to bow down to this king, this king, which I'm about to tell you. He's, he's the root of of David and look at what he proclaims and pronounces has what did he do he conquered he conquered sin he conquered Satan he conquered death he rose from the grave he has conquered the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals this is the lion of the tribe of judah he has conquered by virtue of his resurrection jesus is now worthy to open the scroll so by virtue of getting up from the grave and that stone rolling away he earns the right he becomes worthy he becomes worthy to approach the throne to take the scroll and to break all seven seals and unleash the will and the power of god on all of the earth if you're taking notes the power of Jesus' substitutionary death and his victorious resurrection earned him the right to open the scroll, setting in motion the purposes of God for all of human history. Jesus holds in his hands the final destiny for the entire human race. God's plan is mapped out, it is set, it is fixed, and it cannot fail. You see, church family, if Jesus is still in the grave, he can't open the scroll. But this is why we're celebrating this morning, because Jesus got up out of the grave. He is now worthy to open the scroll. He is worthy to set in motion God's plan and purpose for all of human history. Church family, do you know, you individually, God has a plan for your life. He's got a big plan for your life. He, he has set in eternity past good works for you to do. God wants to bless you. God wants to love you. And also, God is calling you to a gospel that is filled with death. It is first his death, but then it is ours. This call to follow God, to, to let your life be shaped by his plan, is not an easy road, church family. This is a narrow path. This is a life where you put others first, where you're constantly trying to love other people and serve other people, yet it is the glorious way of life. Sadly, in America, it has become all about comfort and doing the easiest thing. And again, having high privacy fences and small dining room tables when the life that we are called to is a life of sacrifice, of giving yourself to someone else, of loving other people and serving other people. It is the way of the cross which we're being called to. Verse 6 and 7. And between the throne... And the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw what? 
This this is a shock to John. He's just been told that the one who can open the scroll is the Lion of Judah, the root of David. He is looking for a Lion King. The, The angel's there and he says, John, weep no more. There is a Lion King coming who can open the scroll. Yet when John wipes the tears from his eyes and looks up, he does not see a Lion King. He sees a lamb. He sees a lamb. And look, look at this lamb. I saw a lamb standing, listen to this, as though it had been slain. It was slain, yet it is standing. It it bears in its body the marks of the crucifixion because the crucifixion earned something permanent for us. It earned us salvation. It earned us justification. It, it, it earned us sanctification. And ultimately, it, it's going to earn us glorification. So he has in his body the marks of the crucifixion because the crucifixion earned something permanent for us. And though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We, we already talked about the seven spirits of God that have been sent out into earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Listen to this church family. Jesus is the lion-like lamb who wins the victory by being slain as a sacrifice of atonement, but he is standing because he has been resurrected. He's he's the lion-like lamb. Is he a lamb? Yes. Led to slaughter. Is he a lion? Absolutely. He is ferocious church family. As you continue to read Revelation, you, you discover the ferociousness of this God in which we serve. This, this, this is not uh, like blonde hair, blue eyes, flowing hair in the wind, light olive skin Jesus. This is ferocious, lion-like lamb, conqueror Jesus, who has the authority to go into the throne room of God the Father and take the scroll and open its seven seals. It says that he has seven horns and seven eyes. Again, if you're you're familiar with apocalyptic literature, you know that the symbol of a horn is a symbol of authority. It's a symbol of power, meaning he's got seven of them, seven horns. So his power, his authority, it's full, it's complete, it's perfect. He also has seven eyes. Again, this idea of being able to, to see, it's wisdom. Meaning, if he has seven eyes, he is all-knowing. So he is all-powerful because he has seven horns. He is all-knowing because he has seven eyes. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. If you're taking notes... Jesus is alive. He is in heaven today. He alone is worthy to take the scroll from the Father as the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb that was slain. He has all power and authority and is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit being sent out to bring about the will of God in all things. So y'all missed that part about the Holy Spirit. Look look, look what it says. Uh, and, And seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, that is the Holy Spirit, sent out into all the earth. This is the picture of the Trinitarian Godhead in which we serve. I want you to see this picture in your mind. God the Father seated on the throne. Where is the lamb that was slain yet it is standing? Where is it? Look at verse six and seven. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, the lamb is in the center of it all. 
the lamb who was slain and yet is standing is in the very center of it all with perfect power and perfect authority. God the Father is seated on the throne and with the lamb is the seven spirits of God or the full completeness of the Holy Spirit of God being sent out into the world to fulfill the will of God. Can you see it, church family? Can you see this picture of our risen Christ? This is my desire for you. I want the sleepers to wake up. I want those who have fallen asleep, those who have fallen back. I want, those, I want you to wake up this morning. Those of you who are on fire for Jesus Christ this morning, I want this image, this picture to, to add fuel to your fire. Can you see it? Can you see it? Now watch the reaction of what happens in heaven. He, listen, he don't even open the scrolls yet. He, ju he just got the scroll in his hand, that's all. He hadn't opened it yet. But look at what happens. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down before the land. He walks over and get the scroll, and the living creature's like, he got the scroll! He, all right, let's go, get band, come on, band, let's go. The band gets up, and I mean, they are ready to go just by virtue of him getting the scroll. The 24 elders get involved in this worship. And lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth, the four living creatures and the 24 elders by virtue of him getting this scroll, begin this great worship procession, but they are not the only ones. It's not just the four living creatures and the 24 elders. The worship band grows. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the uh, 24 elders and the voice of what? Many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands singing with a voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And it's not over yet. So not only is it the 24 elders, the four living creatures, myriads and myriads of angels that join in this worship chorus. It gets even bigger. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen, amen. and the elders fell down and they worshiped church family this is a present reality that is happening in the throne room of god right now just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not taking place. It is a realm that we cannot see. But in that realm of heaven, which we cannot see, there is a myriads and myriads of angels and four living creatures and 24 elders. And they are all singing, worthy is the lamb to open the scroll. And the lamb that they are singing to is this lion-like lamb that is slain, yet it is standing. It has seven horns and seven eyes. And they all sing to it because he has the scroll in his hand, which can unlock the will and purposes of God for all of the universe this is amazing this is truly worthy of the word awesome worthy of awe worthy of all of us this morning taking stock of our entire life does your life look like this lamb has the scroll does, does, does your marriage reflect the fact that this lamb has the scroll? Does your bank account reflect the fact that this lamb has the scroll? Church family, the grave is empty and the throne is occupied. Wake up, sleeper. 
Wake up those of you who are asleep. Wake up those of you who, who have decided that I, it's just easier to stay home. I mean, we got this online thing going. I don't have to get the kids ready. You know, I can sleep in, stay in my PJs. I'll just watch it online, you know, get my coffee, you know, maybe add a little something in there. You know, I'm not going anywhere. So many of us have gotten into this rhythm over, over this last year of, of being pulled back from community, being pulled back from ministry, seeing all these opportunities. Oh, man, you know, I just, I man, I can't serve God. I can't serve the church. I, I've got work. I've got kids. I've got this. I've got this. Wake up. See the reality of what's going on in this unseen realm, this realm of heaven where the lamb is being worshiped. This God here is calling us to total devotion, total allegiance. Jesus is saying to us this morning, I died for you, now go and die for me. Kill your sin, kill your comfort, and serve God with all of your heart. And those of you this morning, I pray that this adds fuel to your fire. This picture, this picture of God in heaven, of God the Father on the throne, of the Lamb that was slain, holding the scroll. This picture gives Christians stability and peace and joy because if God is sitting on the throne and bending all of the universe to his will and God is for you, what can anybody do to you? What can my boss do to me? What can my job do to me? What can this world do to me if the lamb has the scroll in his hand and everything is being bent to God's will? If I die, gain. If I live, Christ what can this world do to me if that lamb has the scroll? Yes. Nothing. If you're taking notes, this is my hope and my prayer. May we all, those who are being awakened and those on fire, see the vision of the lion-like lamb slain but standing, scroll in his hand, and respond as those in heaven with worship. Church family, the grave's empty. The throne is occupied. The grave is empty and the throne is occupied. The grave is empty and the throne is occupied. He is alive. He is our Savior and our friend and our Redeemer. He is alive. He is the door. He is the vine. He is the way. He is the way of water when we are thirsty. He is food when we are hungry. He is alive. He is our good shepherd who leads us into green pastures and beside the still waters. He is alive. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our mighty fortress, our shield, our high tower. He is alive. He was and is and is to come. He is alive and he is seated on the throne and around him are 24 elders, the four living creatures, all the angels and all creation, and they are singing, holy, 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 holy. He is worthy to open the scroll. The grave is empty and the throne is occupied. Let's pray. Oh God, we pray knowing that in this unseen realm, which we cannot see with our human eyes, there is a worship chorus taking place. May we join in this worship chorus taking place in heaven because you are alive. We sing to you today knowing that you are in heaven ruling and reigning all of the universe, bending it to your will, and you have good and glorious plans for us. May we walk into this next year. May we walk into our job on Monday morning where we step into our marriages and parenting and everything 
everything that we have going on in our life with you, the, the lamb, the lion-like lamb that was slain at the very center of it all. May you be the very center of our life. We praise you and join in the chorus of the 24 elders and the four living creatures. We at Gospel Community Church proclaim that you are alive and we sing with that heavenly worship chorus this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the lamb to open the scroll. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.